morning, church. The reading will be from 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 to 20. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatest, and the power, and the glory, and the majesty, and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. Yours, you are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people? that we should be able to do that sorry i'm bad at reading these that we should be able to give as generously as this everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand we are foreigners and strangers in your sight as well as our ancestors our days on earth are like shadow without hope lord our god all this abundance that we have provided for the building for building a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of that belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy and how willing your people are, your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Keep their desires and thoughts in their hearts of your people forever, and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord for your God, so they, so they, all, be, so they all praise the Lord, the God of their fathers. The, they bow down, prostrating themselves before the Lord, and the king. Amen. The whole nation was before David. And even though the people had sacrificed and given and given and given all praise was for God I try to set in my life in my faith that I have no idea how majestic a God we are connected to I have no idea of his scope and his power. I do not know what glory looks like. In my weak flesh, I do not understand holiness. This, this lesson is designed to help me dig a little deeper into the concept of a God that is beyond understanding. I bring you greetings from Alaska. Your brothers and sisters up there love you. They are excited for the trip that uh, Carol and Brady started to come down here. 
uh, that uh, we all get to continue on to another place in a few days. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your prayers. Carol is doing a lot better after going in and out of the hospital this week. Uh, and uh, God reigns. God reigns. Let's read together Psalm 145. Would you turn and join me there? If you only have an electronic Bible, then turn on the page sounds on it. So while you're flipping through the electronic Bible, it'll sound like flip, flip. It'll sound like pages, right? You've got that added onto your app? No, our Heavenly Father is more majestic than we understand, and I'd like you to relax a bit, ignore whatever technical difficulties we have here, and, uh, oh, there we are, and hear his word, not my words, his word, and dig deeper into your faith, into your heart, into your mind, with an understanding of who our God is. This we are going to read now is a song. Mark, thank you so much for leading the songs you led this morning because all of them were in praise to God. But we sing, I know I sing, out of memory. I'm supposed to sing out of heart. That doesn't always happen. My distractions can skip past my heart. We're supposed to sing with our hearts to one another, Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. We're supposed to sing with our hearts. <sighs> Father, help us. Psalm 145. A song of praise of David. I will extol you, my King, my God, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the, the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. His mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known the children of man of your make known to the children of man of your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his words and kind to all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. 
The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him, and he hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, and all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak of the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. David is attempting to teach the people through the praise of these psalms how majestic a God we have. We do not understand, we do not see, we do not know the scope of who he is. Indeed, we cannot know. God, God has uh, the Holy Spirit uh, through Paul write to the Ephesians, I want you to know the love of Christ, right? I want you to know the love of Christ. You know what the next few words are? Which is beyond knowledge. You got that, right? I want you to know the love of Christ, which is beyond knowledge. That's where we are. Fortunately, that's not frustrating. If I wanted you to carry books out of a library from this building over here to that building over there, and there were an infinite amount of books, that would be frustrating because you would always be carrying books and you would never get a rest. But indeed, in this, I want you to know love, which is beyond knowledge, so every day you grow in the love of Christ. That's magnificent. And guess what? Tomorrow has more. Every day you get to rejoice in greater and greater amounts of love. And what's greater than love? In fact, many times the scripture tells us that nothing is greater than love. You get to grow every day in the things that are eternally joyful. There's no frustration in getting to know God deeper. There might be fear. In fact, we've got to start in fear. But this is so refreshing. This is so wondrous. Next slide, please. We read just a minute ago of, of uh, David's prayer. 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 20. We won't read that again. But of David's prayer, bringing all the people together to praise God and saying, everything we're giving to you. He says it almost as, I don't understand, God. Why do we get credit when all we're doing is giving you what you've already given us? But you allowing us to be blessed by this gift back to you. of Everything, everything is yours, Lord. You know that. So they have the same the same awkwardness we have. Why does an infinite God who knows everything want me to pray to him? Because he wants a connection to you. He doesn't just want, this isn't just knowledge of God. This is knowing God. Next slide, please. Jeremiah 9.23. Jeremiah 9.23, you know this verse, right? Next slide. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his 
riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. Right? Let him who boasts, the, the change in font is part of our technical hiccup this morning. Let him who boasts, boast in this. What is it? That he understands and knows me. You see, this isn't just knowledge about God. This is knowledge with understanding. If I know about you, I'll know your birthplace, your birth date, I'll know your address, I'll know your phone number. I might know what you had for breakfast, but none of that involves knowing you. Knowing you is a relationship. Knows your, know your struggles, know your heart, know your loves, know your desires, know your, know your pains, know your anguish, know your dreams. There's a difference between knowledge of facts and knowing and understanding. And God calls us to a knowing of him. Because he says, let him boast, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices who practices steadfast love. There we have it again. Now with Jeremiah hundreds of years later after the other ones we just read. Justice, righteousness in the earth. In these things I delight, declares the Lord. Next. What do we learn from these passages next. We learned that God is eternal, and his eternity is not just eternity, eternity, hanging around forever. His eternity is eternal I am. He is the eternal one. He is the eternal presence. Every time throughout all infinity is present to God. He is not limited by the clock. He is not stuck in time as we are. Yesterday is still present to him, and tomorrow is present to him. He is the eternal I am, and his eternalness is, is something that we can't even begin to imagine what it's like to always know, to always be present. Next, God is sovereign. He rules. He, he reigns. He is in charge. His law and his will will be done. If we don't participate in it, he'll pull us along one way or another, either willingly or unwillingly. Let us submit to his sovereignty. Every, even our free will is a gift from him to us that he allows us to make our own choices. Next, he is unsearchable. We cannot get to the end of him. He is beyond our knowing. In fact, that's what I think a lot of the joy of heaven will be. Heaven is an eternal presence, right? And that presence will be the eternal growth in getting to know more of our heavenly Father. Next, God is glorious. David said, excuse me, Moses said, God, show me your glory. And God says, you know, that'll kill you, Moses. That'll kill you. I can't do that. What happened to Isaiah when he saw a glimpse of God flat on his face? Woe to me, I am undone. What happened to Peter when he saw a glimpse, a tiny fraction of Jesus' power in the catching of the fish? He said, get away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. We cannot grasp the magnitude of being in any fullness of the presence of God. He is glorious, but yet in, in, in uh, 
Corinthians, we're told, 2 Corinthians 3, we're told we get to participate in some of that glory. We get to grow now from glory to glory. Next. He is awesome in his power. <sighs> I don't know what infinite power is like, but awesome is a great word for it. We use the word awesome way, way, way too much. God is awesome. Next. He is righteous and holy. That's part of the most terrifying part of him is how right and holy he is because we are not holy. Next, he is good. It's not the same as righteous. He is good. He cares. Next, he is good to all. Jonah found that out. I want you to be good to us, God, but don't be good to those people who live over there. I'm getting out of here if you want me to speak to them, right? That's the message of Jonah. Forget the fish. Jonah was self-willed and hated those people over there, and I don't want to go speak to them. But God is good to those people, whoever the those are. He's good to all. Next, God is abounding in love, ah, beyond our understanding. Next, he is gracious. When talk, God talks about how rich he is, he talks about grace. Next, he is merciful. Next, he cares for all. God is kind. Next. And he tests us. He deliberately tests us. We, heard, we read that just a bit ago. He tests us. Next. He is near, not far from anybody. He is near. Wherever you are, he is near. To the atheist, God is still near. He is not far from any one of us, Paul taught in Acts. Next. He is an abundant provider. Next. He has detailed knowledge. Next. Grow in the knowledge of God. Next. In Ephesians chapter 1, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes to the church, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know. God calls us, and as Paul teaches to the church, I want you to grow in knowledge. And this knowledge is not just gnosis, it's not just knowing, it's epinosis. All three of the next ones we're going to see, this one and the next two, are epinosis, which means knowledge on top of knowledge, overknowledge. Next, Philippians 1 has a, a similar real knowledge, Things that are excellent in the things that are excellent. Next, Colossians 1, 9 and 10, we're, we're told of a knowledge of his will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Knowledge is, is, is knowing things. Understanding is the knowing and the interaction of things. And wisdom is the knowing of the applications of the interaction of things. Knowledge in God begets understanding, which begets wisdom. And God calls for all of us to have wisdom. And you know what you're supposed to do if you need wisdom. Says James, pray. Father, please help me to have wisdom. Lord, please give us wisdom as we learn from this lesson. Help us to know you and have wisdom. Next. In Romans 1, we learn that people had a knowledge of God, but they ignored it. They ignored 
their knowledge of God. And many people fall into this kind of category where they know there is a God. They know there's a God who sent his son. They know there's a God out there who created things, but I'm busy. I got other things to do. That's not an option. They've lost step one. And step one in scripture is fear of the Lord brings wisdom. Next, in 1 Corinthians 1, we read about a people who did not come to a knowledge of God. We're called to be people who know God. Next, God is the greatest and most worthy subject ever. You have nothing greater in your life than to learn about than Him. We must be in constant growth of knowing Him. Next. What do we do, what do, we do from these? What do we do, what do we do in knowing about these? Next. Next. Oh, what a God we have. David wrote, and we sang, I will praise you every day. We praise Him in our words, we praise Him in our thoughts, we praise Him in our actions, we praise Him in our obedience, we praise Him in how we love people. We are to be in constant praise, daily praise, next, of our God. We fear. You could take those two and flip them around either way. When you see about who God is, you go, oh my goodness, I don't understand this magnificence. I can't handle it. And we, we would get honest, appropriate fear. The greatest thing about God's fear is that he has so much love that he pours over the top of that fear. By the time he gets to, we get to the end of it, he says, approach the throne of grace with confidence. In Hebrews, we read that. that. That when we complete this relationship, we have nothing to fear. We truly have nothing to fear now except God, and in Him, in Christ, we have nothing to fear. Nothing, nothing, nothing to fear. That's how magnificent our God is. He's the only thing worth fearing. Jesus said that. Do not fear those who can simply kill you. Fear the one who can kill you and condemn you to hell. We have nothing to fear in Christ. Nothing. It's amazing. That's why I say this is such a great subject to learn. Next, intense focus. What does he want? Next, what does God want? I, I want to learn. Teach me. Show me. I want to know who you are, God, and I want to know what you want. Next, I, I, I want to obey you. I've got to obey you. If we understood the magnificence of God, we would be eager to obey and this is why we want to give up nothing of his word. We don't want to be casual uh, churches about his word. We want to be riveted. What do you want? Not legalistic. Not legalistic because we don't gain anything that way. But riveted to be obedient to God. Show me how to love people. Show me how to serve. Absolutely, I want to gather together with your body. Absolutely, Lord. Next. <clears throat> and in all of that, what does God tell us to do? Rejoice always. Never stop rejoicing. When you have nothing to worry about and nothing to fear, and you serve the creator of the universe who intensely loves you and cares for you and protects you by his mighty power. That's First Peter chapter 1. That's a different lesson. And protects you by his mighty power. 
No wonder he says rejoice always. Next. The greatest thing to do, just says Jesus, is to love him, God, with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. What else could we do when we have a God that majestic? What else could we do but to love him? And then we're told repeatedly, like I said, that the greatest thing we can do, greater than even faith, is love. And, that, and God is, God is love. Next. We would be so eager to do any of that and all of that, we'd be on it every morning. Next. And praying every day. Pray without ceasing. Next. Constant prayer. Always in prayer. Never cease to pray, Romans 12. Pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5. Be in constant prayer. But that's not possible. I didn't write it. He wrote it, so let's learn how to be constant in prayer. Over 12, time, 12 different times, Paul talks about types of constant prayer in his letters. And then we're told twice in his letters that ourselves are to be constant in prayer. Would you be talking to God all the time, understanding who he is? Yeah. So obviously we have a lot to learn about prayer to be constant in prayer next. We would tell others, do you realize how majestic God is? God is so awesome. Guess what I learned about God today? We would be so excited if we got a, a deeper grasp of his majesty next. And nothing would fluster you. Ephesians, excuse me, Philippians 4 gives us a recipe for peace. And it goes right down the center of God. And nothing would fluster you if we were living on the Gaza Strip and our homes were being destroyed by those rockets, and, and two different sides were destroying our lives, we could stand and be at complete peace. Next, complete, deep peace, because our God reigns. Our God is more powerful than any set of rockets, than any war. God calls for peace in the middle of all kinds of turmoil. Of course, famously, that's why Paul and Silas were singing at midnight in prison after being beaten all afternoon. Peace, riveting, complete peace in God. Next. I do this. I write more lesson than I have time for. Next. Next. God's attributes are divided up easily in two different parts. His nature, which is kind of who he is by attributes. God is spirit. God is eternal. But he could be spirit and eternal and be evil, right? He could be spirit and eternal and not know anything, right? So there's parts of God that describe his attributes, and there's parts of God that describe his character, so there's a lesson, there's a lifelong lesson in every one of these. So if you'll, if you'll uh, bear with me, we'll, we'll go through these very quickly. Next, 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 next. Did I say quickly? We've talked about God's eternity 
but there's some of his words, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is transcendent. He is, you are not, you and I are not transcendent. We are dependent. We did not get here on our own. We got here because of other people's choices, and we live and survive only because of other people, what they do. None of us grew our own food, you know, that we ate yesterday. We ate almost certainly something that somebody else provided. We are not transcendent. We are dependent, but God transcends everything. This entire universe was created underneath him. He is independent of all of it. Next, 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 next. God is spirit. God is three in one. From the very first chapter of the Bible, he used the pronoun us, we. God identified himself as not a single thing. He is one, there's only one God, but he participates in love and unity and other aspects of his character by being three in one. And we don't even understand that part. He is immutable, he never changes. He never, ever, 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 ever changes. And we don't understand that because I need to change badly to be the man that God wants me to be next. Next, 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 next. He is the source of life. He is the source of all goodness. God is all sufficient. Next, 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 next. Holiness is the center of God's character, the very center of his character. Everything that God does comes from his holiness. And it's terrifying to imagine his holiness. Next, next, next. God is sovereign. We've discussed this just a bit earlier. He overrules all, and his will will be done. God does whatever he pleases. God does whatever he pleases. And many, 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 many times we say, why did you do that? I remember getting up and being woken by a phone call and a dear friend of ours, a dear sister of ours had lost in, in carrying a child. She had lost another baby. The baby that she had had the day before was now gone. None of them came to term. And I was walking around my room angry and weeping in the phone call with her husband who was weeping and angry. And I hung up the phone and I said, God, I disagree. I can't say that's appropriate or not, but that's what I was feeling. My God can handle that. But God does what he pleases and he is righteous and he is holy and he knows and I don't. That's why we can live at peace. Everything God does is purposed from him and for him are all things. God does for his glory. Next, next, next. God's glory is his significance. Just the, just the idea of what glory is and that God has glory and our actions bring him glory and his our participation in Christ bring us glory is a is a deep magnificent subject next 
God is an omni-God. Next, let me just do one part of this. This is omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. Omnipresence is obvious. God is everywhere. Omnipotence is potent. God has all power. And omniscience, sort of like science is the end of that phrase, omniscience, not quite, but almost. God has all knowledge. Let me talk to you about how magnificent our God is. He knows not only how many stars there are, where those stars are, but he knows every name of the hundreds of trillions of stars. They're all named. And he knows them all. He knows all your thoughts, and he knows more about you than you do because he knows the intentions of all your thoughts. Why did you do that? I don't know why I did that. I don't, I, I don't even like some of my thoughts, but God knows why I'm having them. Actually, I, I kind of just spoke. God doesn't know everything. What? No, he says he doesn't know everything. Let me talk to you about just a moment about how majestic, magnificent our God is. He doesn't know everything. In Jeremiah 31, 31, and in Hebrews 8, God talks about a new covenant that he's bringing and about how great that new covenant is going to be. Of course, we know it to be the covenant in Christ. And one of the reasons we are in such fear of God is because we are not holy without Christ. We indeed are not holy. And God says, oh, by the way, there is one thing I don't know. And he writes to us and says, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the same words, there's one thing our Heavenly Father doesn't know. I'll put that in quotation marks. He says, I will remember their sins no more. The one thing you are terrified, I am terrified, that God is going to know about me. The one thing that just keeps me awake at night is my own weakness and my own fallibility and my own foolishness before God, my own rebellion before God. In Christ, he doesn't remember those. A God that knows everything. And I say, Father, I am so sorry about what I did yesterday. And he says to me, what are you talking about? Okay, I don't literally have that conversation. And this, and I, am hum, I, I want to be always humble before the word. This could mean he literally doesn't remember them, or he functionally doesn't remember them. In other words, he'll hold them not to our account. He remembers my sins, but he doesn't hold them all over my head. Whichever is true, they are magnificent. That's why I say we don't get the greatness of this God who has this infinite power and this infinite knowledge, and the one thing he chooses is not to use that power on top of us because of our own stupid, rebellious selves. He said, you come to my son, you're found in my son, and I'll hold none of that against you. I'll forget it all. We don't understand that kind of justice. Next, next. Next, next. 
It's a defining aspect of his purpose. God does everything through love. Everything. Everything he does is done because of his love. Next. 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 God is love. Next. 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 Next slide. We don't deserve his grace. But when he talks about how rich he is, next, he describes grace, grace and mercy. We do deserve God's wrath, but he says he withholds it from us. God's wrath is done in love, it is done in righteousness, and we need to be thankful for it. Next, next, next. This is why David could praise so absolutely in those two things we read. Because this God is more magnificent than we can possibly know. Every one of those subjects, there are many more attributes of God's nature and God's character that are not listed here. Don't ever lightly handle the word of God. He told us how to be a church and that's the way we ought to be as a church. But God, I don't agree with... Yes, sir. Sorry. You can talk to him about it. In fact, pray to him about everything. You can pray to him about everything. All your selfish thoughts, etc. That's another lesson. Our God is so amazing. Let us be people who are hungry to get to know him better. Next, next, next. God, our God, is more awesome than we can know. He's more awesome than we can know. Next, next. What a God we have. Let us be a people who dig deeper into that. If you want a book, written by, it's written by Tony Evans. Right in the middle of one of the middle chapters is about two pages that are very Calvinistic, all about original sin and stuff. You skip those two pages. The rest of the thing is really an effective teaching tool on the majesty of the God we, we Real. The, God, the book is, is Our God is Awesome, written by Tony Evans. It's not in print. You have to buy used copies online, etc. We don't, we are, we're connected to something greater than we know. We are part of something. We are in his kingdom. In fact, it says, you want to have your mind blown, it says we are, we are seated now. We are seated in heaven with Christ. Try that one on for size. I thought I was sitting in Westerville. No, well, you might be there somewhere. But he's already seated you in heaven. That's why we have an eternal God, and he can do anything in any order he pleases with what he knows. This life we have in Christ is incredible. Rejoice always. Don't worry about anything. Don't complain as you were taught last week, right? Last week's lesson. Don't complain about anything. My goodness, our God, our Father, this God, that God we just described, wants to call himself Father and you child. You get to call that God, the creator of all things, that transcendent being 
that powerful being, he wants you to call him Father. And he wants you to come home. That's the goal, that we get to go home. That's simple. We get to go home to be with our Father. We have this life to figure out some of these things and to go home to be with our Father. If there's any this morning who have not been baptized into Christ, if there's any that have any prayers they need to ask the congregation for, please come forward while we sing the song that Mark has selected.